Download, a podcast from Relay FM recorded June 15, 2017. Episode 8, Like Me in High School. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff that you care about. I'm Jason Snell, your host, as always. This week, I am joined by three incredibly interesting and knowledgeable people who are going to really help me out this week. Shahid Kamal Ahmad is an independent games developer and the co-host of Remaster on Relay FM. Shahid, welcome. Thank you very much for having me great to talk to you. Brianna Wu is a game developer, a political candidate, co-host of Disruption and Rocket on Relay FM. Brie, <laughs> hello, welcome. What's up? It's so good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on Download. And somebody I've never spoken to before on a podcast, but it's going to be great. He is the co-host of the Spawn on Me podcast on ESN. It's Cicero Holmes. Hello. Hello. Um, you are setting me up to fail by saying it's going to be great. I'll edit it out <laughs> if it's not great. No problem. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's, it wouldn't be the first time. But if people are hearing this, they know it's going to be great. See, that's the great thing about podcasts is that you can just there change you go. it. Spoiler alert. It's going to be great. All right. Let's get to it. These are the three best stories of the week as chosen by me and download podcast producer Stephen Hackett, who is finally back in Tennessee and probably wondering why every state can't be just as awesome as California was. Hi, Stephen. Hey, it was a long walk back from San Jose, but I'm here. I made it in one piece. <laughs> good, good. Welcome back. Now, that brings us to this week. And here's the thing. You may have noticed that uh, some people who like uh, games and know about gaming are on this podcast. And that is because E3 is this week. And it is the big game show, the the Electronic Entertainment Expo, I think is what the three E's are, but nobody cares. In LA, it's all about games. I am somebody who is a self-proclaimed not much of a gamer or a non-gamer, which is funny because if you look in my house, I've got like five consoles um, and my, uh, my son is also uh, much more of a gamer than I am. So he's sort of like taking on that role. So I am throwing myself on the mercy of my panel a little bit to help me out here and talk about what they think, some of the highlights that we should uh, all care about a little bit about what went on at E3. So we'll start, we're going to go around and talk about kind of the major players. We'll start with Microsoft at E3. They made a major announcement this week, which is a new version of the xbox one called the xbox one x which i believe reduces down in acronym form to xbox okay um and uh this is interesting because this is another variation this is we're seeing in this console generation um interesting to me anyway the the idea that a console generation can really encompass a bunch of different uh a sort of a progression of hardware as the as the console grows without throwing it away and starting with a new generation so i thought we would start there maybe with brie because i know you mentioned the xbox one x in passing when we were uh, getting ready to go here what what's uh what, what do you think about this new announcement from microsoft well, I don't expect it to be a blockbuster. I don't expect this to sell super well. But, you know, something that's really interesting is on the developer side, uh, you know, engines have gotten more and more sophisticated. And because of that, uh, engine scaling is something that's become much more convenient for us, which, you know, kind of allows a, a wider range of hardware on the market. It used to be if you bought a PlayStation, the PlayStation at the beginning of that console's life was more or less the same hardware is the end of the of the PlayStation's life. So what we're seeing here is a, a wider range of hardware being offered that can really bridge this great computational divide in what you need for you know a traditional uh, 1920 uh, resolution game system and a 4K game system. Um, I think people don't realize if you're going from you know 1080 by 1920 to 4K, that's not double power. It's almost four times as much computational power powers you need. So I think this is just a, it's a really brilliant way to split the difference and not require, you know, every consumer to go out and buy a thousand dollar television set. That said, I don't expect this to be a huge seller. I agree with Bree um, on the on the fact that I don't think it's going to be a huge seller. Um, 
but uh, and and obviously will will defer to her knowledge when it comes to uh, being a game developer. I just report on stuff. Uh, I don't actually make things because I'm dumb. But uh, no. what I, <laughs> no, people who talk about technology for a living are very bright. Take it from right. me. This is the thing I've been selling for a long time. Let's go with it. Let's go with right. it. We're just not developers. So, we make things. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We make people laugh and smile. So um, yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I, I think that that uh the brilliance of both the naming convention for for the new console the xbox one x which was jason you've already pointed out acronym wise uh beads out to <laughs> xbox is is that uh, a few years ago actually about a year and a half two years ago uh phil spencer head of xbox now the xbox team uh came out and talked about how he wanted to get rid of console generations and part of the reason that he wanted to get rid of them is that every time a new console generation comes around what you wind up doing as the consumer who who jumps into to the new uh, new generation, you have to leave behind all of the great experiences that you had from the previous generation. And he looks at he looked at the PC as a model where he says that you know a person who buys a PC today um, has access to a library that's you know indescribably huge because not only can they play all of the the best and greatest games that are coming out now and and in the future but they've got this library that's 20 30 40 years old of PC games and the, you know really the only limitation is whether or not you can find an emulator and with the with the this announcement of this Xbox uh the Xbox One X they have they Microsoft has positioned themselves to release and Xbox One X2 and just call it <laughs> Xbox Two, right? Um, or an Xbox Two S. And as someone, Jason, who, <laughs> no. who has, has their, uh, who, you know, has some of their roots in, in the Apple world, you know exactly where, you know, where they're gaining, where they're grabbing their inspiration from, uh, from whom they're grabbing their inspiration. And I, I can really see that type of thing happening where, you know, the Xbox One X4 um, releases and and you just won't be able to your original Xbox One X will not be able will, just won't be powerful enough to run some of the games that are currently out. Um, you can still try and run them, but they just won't be as good. And then you'll finally have to upgrade. And I think that's what we're going to see. We won't actually see new generations. We'll just see uh, better iterations on the hardware, but the library will remain consistent over, you know, the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years for as long as. Oh, gosh, I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> okay. Respectfully, not even yeah, close. Sure. Yeah, sure, sure. So, OK, so I think it's worth remembering. Like PS3 jumping to PS4. Uh, right. You know, this was, well, let's use the Xbox 360 to Xbox sure. One because this is both the x86. Um, right. There is definitely an advantage to just doing engine scaling and doing like prettier particle effects and more memory and better textures and all of that. Right. But I, I wholly disagree. I, I think that it is very helpful for our industry to have certain points where it's like, you know what? We are starting over. We are giving new specs. We are moving forward. Because what our industry tends to do is just concentrate on graphical, um, slight graphical improvements rather than like gameplay revolutions. And I do believe that like, look at, uh, look at the Nintendo Switch. This is some fundamentally new hardware compared to the Wii and it's being used in different ways. So right. I don't expect like the, the console market, uh, to just remain like the PC market. I don't. I just think in the meantime, this is is allowing so for some iterative scaling that will just help it be better within this generation. But, you know, it's to their advantage, too, to develop more powerful frameworks and deliver better experiences for the consumer. Not only am I saying this, but this is what Phil Spencer, I'm just I'm just falling back on what Phil Spencer said um, with regards to ending the console generations. And I'm not you know, I don't know. And, and in fact, I I wholly believe that Sony is not on board with ending console generations and 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 uh allowing people to to continue to hold on to their libraries um 
above and beyond uh, the generational divide. Now, uh, we didn't even mention that another Microsoft announcement was this uh, compatibility. Speaking of older generations, they already last year talked about Xbox 360 games coming to Xbox One, which is happening uh, slowly. And I get people yell at me and say, no, it's not slow. There are a lot of them there. All I can tell you is that uh, 90% of the Xbox 360 games I bought are not playable on Xbox One even now. So that i'll leave that right there but they're also um talking about xbox original xbox compatibility and that is one way to bridge generations is to say you can keep those games that you loved even in a new generation because we're going to make a emulator or some other kind of compatibility layer available that's why i bought a wii u i know a lot of people didn't but one of the reasons i did is that i knew i could decommission my wii and still keep those games around for my uh for my kids to play shahid you worked at sony for a long time what do you think about this uh you know issues around generational hardware where uh, these in-generation in upgrades versus just breaking everything and going to a new generation. Well, it's inevitable as we approach the singularity, I think. <laughs> 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 you know, you've got a whole bunch of uh, commodity hardware leading the top-end console race now, which is effectively what first-gen PS4 and Xbox One were. You know, that they're to all intents and purposes practically identical there were a few minor differences and because of those few minor differences including the important aspect of price i think sony were better out of the gate and their positioning was better with ps4 against xbox one xbox uh, has reacted quite well and then of course PlayStation were ahead of the game with the launch of the Tox cycle, if you want to call it that, with PS4 Pro. The price is also not a massive uh, increment over the existing PS4. And then you have quite a significant jump between the standard Xbox One and the Xbox One X, which I'd like <laughs> to call the X-Bix, actually. Right, right. If you use the, the numeral one, mm. it reads X-Bix, and it's just a bit less cumbersome, I think. But <laughs> that aside, I mean, there's quite a big price differential there between those two, but then there's a power differential too. So if you were an existing xbox customer there's probably more reason if you're a top-end kind of core hardcore user to upgrade because you will see significant differences because the xbox one was i would say underpowered compared to the ps4 so it didn't always deliver on the promise of that next gen hardware uh i i'm also a little bit concerned about um phil spencer's assertion that they're not making money on this i mean he's talking about effectively the the razor and blades model right but i don't think that's a viable model in an era where the hardware tail is truncated because of the rate of progress you know that whole singularity thing but what it boils <laughs> down to really is the the customer benefit here what is it you know it's a game that looks better and i i have to totally back Bree's point about this whole race towards uh, the pit of uncanny valley uh, versus the novelty and interest of Nintendo Switch, which is why Switch has generated so much interest. So really, this is a game of diminishing returns. There's not been any significant change in gameplay. But the games do look better on these tox cycle pieces of hardware, no doubt about that. And I'm sure that as this cycle continues to develop, we'll see more developers take advantage. They'll have the cross-platform thing. So um, you'll be able to make a, a 4K, and I put 4K in quotes because 4K is all over the place as a standard, <laughs> you know. Um, you'll have better, let's just call them better looking, higher resolution games, right? You'll have more of those coming out. And sure, if you have a 4K capable TV, which also happens to support HDR and God knows what else, then you're going to be in the game. Or, oh, of course, we've got to have the low um, latency on those TVs as well. If you got all that, then great, quid's in. Um, PlayStation have said that out of every five PS4s they're selling, one of them is a PS4 Pro. I can't imagine that Microsoft will have a significantly different ratio there. So it is a minority of, of the user base. I would suspect as the prices come down over time, that will change. So really, as a customer, what are you, what are you getting? You're going to get games that look better. I'm hoping that they will have better frame rates. They will be more responsive. Um, 
that's about it, really. I don't know yeah. if they're going to facilitate a revolution. I, I think uh, I would bet that uh, Sony is going to sell more PlayStation Pros because they've got PlayStation VR, right? Like, that's a killer experience that people are willing to shell money out for. I don't see Xbox having that. And I, I just think, like, last thing to say here, it's worth taking a second and, like, from a gameplay design perspective, thinking about what prettier graphics serve. And it's one thing. It's a quality we call immersion in game design. That's it. That's the only point to it. And like, is there any difference in playing Mario Kart 8 on the Switch versus playing it on Wii U? Not really. Like, it's it's cool that I can carry it around, and that's how it's different. But these small graphic iterations, they really don't matter. I they they just don't. So that's my opinion. I think it's interesting though that that is one of the ways that these games are often and these consoles are often marketed. And and we talk about the high end. I I think the existence of the low end, the existence that within a platform there's an entry level that will play all the games. They just won't look as good. I think there's some strength in that because for a lot of consumers like me, it's not necessarily. I don't necessarily need to pay more for the super high resolution graphics and i don't have to whereas if there's a single console model and it has to be built as part of a spec war with the opposition then it's going to be more expensive so it's you know maybe this is interesting in that respect too that it allows you to have a, a an entry level console which is not something that that used to happen there was just the console was the one that you could get i don't know what other Microsoft uh, related and Xbox related announcements jumped out. If anything, I'm sort of opening this up to all of you. If there's if there's other stuff you want to mention, I think now is the time before we move on to uh, talk about Nintendo. I, I think that well, it wasn't necessarily an announcement at E3, but it happened right before E3 uh, came about, which was the Xbox Game Pass, um, which is a a Netflix like service. Uh, that Microsoft has, uh, released where you have, uh, some, some older, uh, titles within this generation and lots of titles within the previous generation that you'll be able to download directly to your, your console and, and play. And if you like them, uh, can buy at a discount, I think is, as as little as 20%, sometimes more depending on what's on sale. Uh, and the, the service itself costs, uh, $10 a month, uh, which is, which is, I think is, is pretty cool. Um, the thing that that's awesome about that is like Netflix, uh, titles will be rotated in and out. Um, so this is, this is an opportunity for, um, Microsoft or Xbox owners who don't, don't necessarily want to go out and spend, um, hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars a year on buying new software that to just download some, you know, some games and have a, have a box where they can play certain games every now and then and, and, uh, still enjoy being a video game player. Let us move on. Before we go on to our next topic, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors. This episode of Download brought to you in part by FreshBooks. If you own a small business, you know what a chore admin work can be. It is a grind. And it's not just you. It's everybody who feels that way. Over 5 million small business owners felt exactly the same way until they discovered FreshBooks. It's a simple cloud accounting software package. It transforms how small businesses handle their paperwork. It's great for invoicing. You create and send invoices in as little as 30 seconds, no formulas, no formatting, just perfectly crafted invoices every time. You pl- your clients can pay you online. It often means you end up getting paid a lot faster because it's so easy to do. I love it when I get a FreshBooks invoice in because I just click it. It opens in my browser and I, I pay it and I'm done. It happens immediately. They get paid and I get it out of my hair. There's a super handy deposit feature. You can invoice for a payment up front when you're starting a project. FreshBooks can even show you whether or not a client has looked at the invoice you've emailed so you don't have to call and say, did you see that? You will know if they saw it. This is just a fraction of what FreshBooks can do for you. You owe it to yourself to break free from all that boring admin work and let FreshBooks help you and your small business. You can get a 30-day free trial by going to freshbooks.com slash download FM and enter download in the how did you hear about us section. Thank you to FreshBooks for supporting download. 
Okay, Nintendo also made a bunch of announcements at E3, which we should probably talk about on the back of the Switch, which just launched recently. Um, We saw a lot more about Super Mario Odyssey, for example, including the fact that I guess Mario's soul is now in his hat. That was something that I took away from that. It's kind of a horror movie, Jason. It's a very disturbing concept. It is like Mario is possessing various creatures and all that. I don't know. Super Mario Odyssey looked wild and interesting and fun when I saw the gameplay demo. It was pretty cool. Okay, so this is my game developer perspective on this, and I'd love for everyone else to do it. So, you know, in, in game development, we have standard libraries. They're often used to build large open world games, right? So buildings, chairs, cars, like all of that, you can buy and implement those. And large game studios kind of have uh, their set of them already. Like, I know a ton of people that in between Far Cry 3 and Far Cry 4, they were tasked with just like updating all the geometry to like put it and recycle it in a new game. So my entire read of Super Mario Odyssey is Nintendo wanted this style of game, but didn't want to like pay to create an entire library of Mario assets, which is why we have this utterly bizarre hybrid. So um, I, I think it looks interesting. I think it looks fun, but I, I don't know. I just see a company that doesn't want to spend like a, a few million dollars. I have been um, mercilessly teased by Mike and Federico about my position on Mario. Um, uh, I've jokingly said that he should be retired. Mario, that is, not Michael Federico, obviously. <laughs> and uh, he has uh, he has been around a long, long time. I mean, Mario is, what, 35 plus years old? And m- my point really is innovate. I've had a kind of rethink, and I, I think Mario is not so much an IP as Nintendo's vehicle through which Nintendo gets to come up with new gameplay ideas. And it gets to do that safely without having to risk a completely new IP. Because they could easily do a new IP and then crash and burn with some kind of new gameplay. But if they do it with Mario, there is an element of familiarity. And I suspect that's what they're doing here. They've done that just about every generation. It's not like they stuck to the platform format. Obviously, platforms are there, but the games vary from console to console. So I I just think they, they carry on using Mario to explore new gameplay ideas. I would be staggered if they weren't putting as much money as Mario needed. Because let's face it, look look at what they've done with Zelda. Right. You know, the the game is is being hailed by just about every industry commentator as one of the best games ever made. And whether you're a Zelda fan or not, it's very clear that there's been a huge amount of not just innovation, but a slight break from the existing Zelda formula. And I suspect that their strategy, Nintendo's strategy with Switch, is that given they probably didn't have as large a cash reserve as they would have liked after the relative failure of Wii U, that they wanted to hold back on their biggest known IPs and make sure that they were good enough before they launched them. I'd be really surprised if they launched um, the latest version of Mario Odyssey without significant investment and making sure that it was absolutely fantastic for Switch. And I think they will continue to stagger really, really strong releases on Switch in the same way, making sure that each version gets absolutely everything. So I, I mean, I'm curious... It does seem a little odd, but everyone who's playing it, and I haven't got a chance to play it yet, everyone who's playing it um, pretty much has said that it's fantastic. So I'll reserve judgment until I've actually got to play it. But I'm optimistic about that. I feel the same way about Mario and um, their use, Nintendo's use of Mario, that it is their way of um, showcasing new gameplay ideas uh, without having to uh, showcase a new IP with that idea. And um, I have been very, very tough publicly on the Switch um, and as a piece of hardware. I, I, I think conceptually I understand what it is as a piece of hardware. Uh, I have serious fundamental issues with 
how Nintendo has executed um, both the hardware and the and the software. Um, you know, the fact that uh, there is one profile for lots of games, um, the fact that your saves are married to your to the hardware and not your profile um, are things to me that in this day and age are inexcusable. Um, so it, it's still those are the things that are keeping me on on the sidelines from being a, a, a switch uh, consumer uh, but having seen Mario Odyssey and having heard what other people are saying about uh, Zelda leads me more into the camp of being like making it more palatable for me to actually purchase a switch which is something when you know when the reveal came out and I heard the price point it was completely foreign completely uh you know so far removed from from uh from the reality that i couldn't even see a way to that point so i was going to ask all of you this this broader question about the switch which is this is the big e3 with the switch out in the market and they made lots of announcements here and i'm i'm wondering if if this has changed all of this information has changed your take on what the switch is and where it's going now that we know more about nintendo's plans with the switch oh yeah yeah it is so i'm i was very skeptical with the switch when it came out there are many podcasts of me critiquing it and <laughs> all respect to those of us here that worked on uh the playstation vita <laughs> team. but but i gotta say like it is it is really the system the playstation vita should have been it's got a really huge gorgeous screen and even though the games aren't quite there it is a freaking amazing experience once you own one it is by far my favorite system i own and it is destined to be one of Nintendo's greatest systems ever. So uh, I think like what we saw here uh, was a real commitment to it because the Switch doesn't have games, right? That's the yeah. problem with buying a Switch. Yeah, Breath of the Wild, it is a fantastic game. I absolutely think it should be game of the year. But, you know, it does not play that differently on Wii U versus Switch. Uh, yeah, Mario Kart 8 is a great game, but it's recycled from uh, the Wii U. Yep. Splatoon 2 is pretty much just a DLC pack for Splatoon 1. So, yeah, they're going through, they're making this a system, they're bringing it into its own, and it it really should just give consumers confidence that this is a system that's worth your, what is it, $200, $300? $350. Oh, it's still worth it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm dubious. I'm oh, still dubious whether or not, you know, I mean, just case in case in point is uh, the fact that if if your console, if your console has a hardware failure and you have to send your your console into Nintendo and they have to, you know, factory uh, reset everything, then all of your save data from all of the games that you've played is lost. And, you know, so you're starting back from square one on everything is to me, again, is something that's that's just inexcusable. And in, you know, this the latter part of the second decade of the 21st century. Does it not save to the carts inside your game? If you it does it not. Huh, it does not. Interesting. Okay. It does not. One step forward and one step back with Nintendo. Right. I mean, in the, the right. switch does some things. That as somebody who had a Wii and a Wii U and now has a Switch, the Switch does some things right that should have been done right on the Wii U and probably on the Wii in terms of behaving like a device made in the second decade of the 21st century. (laughs) And yet it is true that there are still other things where you're like, hello, Nintendo, what the heck is going on here? And it is it is kind of baffling. I've I've talked about that, about uh, people with uh, a family with a couple of Switches and, and they had this issue of like... You know, getting uh, the the concept of playing a game on one and then on the other, it's like Nintendo kind of wants you to buy it twice unless it's on a cartridge. And it's just like that doesn't make any sense. But that's where they are. The the sinking, the cloud sinking stuff is not there. And yet some of their community and and online stuff is way better than it was on the Wii U. So I don't know. There's every time you look, there's some little bit that Nintendo is still behind on. I have a TiVo where certain screens are in standard definition even now, all this 10 years later. And it's the same thing. It's like, oh, I hit the wall there, didn't I? And with the Switch, it's a little bit like that, too. Uh, anything more about Nintendo before we move on? This is your chance. Bring it out. I, I, I think I think uh, they had a 
had a kick-ass direct. Um, and, and if they can make an old misery geezer like myself, um, really start to think about purchasing their console, then they've done a, a fantastic job. Yeah. For me, I mean, as, as somebody who bought one of these on the, on the kind of the hope of, more to come it is nice which is super scary right it is nice to see what so, the shape of some of that is i like you talk about uh, what shahid said about uh using mario for ip i kind of like how some of the other characters have become interesting places for different kinds of uh kinds of games like there's going to be a new kirby game and we kind of know what a kirby game is but it's going to be a little bit different and there's going to be a new yoshi game which is again kind of picking up the craft theme and it's like a paper mache and cardboard this time and and the the previous Yoshi games have been a huge hit in my family. My wife is a knitter, uh, you know, so yarn-themed games are great. And so I'm happy to see all that stuff coming, uh, too, because I like that stuff that I like about Nintendo's uh, intellectual property. And I like that those games have a feel to them while also being different from game to game. And it's just, a, just again, as somebody who made the investment in the hardware, I'm happy to see that there is uh, software coming for it that, that will be worth buying, hopefully. So... All right, let's take one more break and then we'll move on to Sony. Um, this episode of Download brought to you in part by MailRoute, a secure hosted email filtering service that you can have up and run, running in minutes. It gets rid of spam and viruses so you don't have to. You can trust MailRoute to get the job right done right. They've been doing it longer than anyone else for the last 20 years. These are the people who've been leading the way in email security. They are a trusted authority. They're so good at what they do. They have the highest uptime guarantee in the industry. They guarantee that they will be up 99 point, let's count the decimals, everybody, 0.999% of the time. Three decimal points. It's a lot of nines. MailRoute has all the nines. My favorite thing, uh, I'm going to start this. This is going to be a new feature when I talk about MailRoute. I'm going to tell you my spam subject line of the week. This week's spam came from an address marked as as being from France, and yet it was in Dutch. And what it said was, apologies to people who speak Dutch, uh, new copier nodig, het is new of nuit. So, great. I won't be opening that. It didn't even come to my mail server because it was filtered away by MailRoute. You get that summary email of everything you filtered out so you can see if something good got uh, got kept uh, out of your mailbox and you can, with one click, have it delivered and then you can laugh at what the trends are in spam subject lines. Maybe they're in Dutch from a French address. You'll never know. One click and uh, you can get your email delivered if it is mistakenly filtered to spam. That very rarely happens to me. Find out much more. Go to mailroute.net slash download FM. You'll get a 30-day free trial and 10% off the lifetime of your account if you stick with MailRoute. And they'll even uh, price match competitors' contracts. So thank you to MailRoute for supporting download and all of Relay FM. You're going to get letters. You're going to get letters from Dutch From people. the Dutch. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I do German, and then, but I don't know the rules are slightly different. But anyway, come on, we can all laugh at, at the fact that I got spam from France in Dutch because that's really Love not going to work on me. Uh, before we move on and talk about Sony, I wanted to do a quick story you may have missed. We like to do that here. Something that you may not have noticed that was just under the radar. You are listening to a podcast. 100% of the people listening to this right now are podcast listeners. And so you should know that last week at, on Friday at Apple's Developer conference, Apple announced a bunch of changes to what it's doing with podcasting. And these are relevant for you, even if you're not on an Apple platform, uh, because you're listening to podcasts and Apple is the dominant player when it comes to podcast playback right now between iTunes and the podcast app that's built into iOS. They have the market share lead by a lot. I think it's more than half of all podcasts are listened to on Apple platforms and they're doing a whole bunch of extensions. So uh, because the RSS format of podcasting is wide open, Apple's extensions to the format will be supported by everybody else's podcast apps too. So even if you don't use Apple stuff, you will get the benefit of things like podcast seasons, uh, which are much better podcast teasers and trailers and uh, bonus episodes being separate from regular episodes. And they're also making some changes where podcasters are going to be able to see uh, behavior of listeners so podcasters will have a better idea of who's actually listening not individually but sort of like right now we only know downloads but now we're going to be able to know how many people actually played that episode that they downloaded and how long did they listen for example do you get to the story you may have missed and download and be like forget it i'm over i'm not going to listen in which case i'll know and it'll make me very sad anyway uh lots of stuff uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to a, a story i wrote about it but 
100% of this audience, it's relevant because it is going to change the face of podcasting, I think, for the better. And this is one of those things where because it's an open standard and yet Apple has this huge advantage, the changes Apple makes really kind of lead the market. So it's good to see after a long time of kind of not paying attention to it, Apple putting some effort into making the podcast listening experience a little bit better. So you may have missed that. Okay, Sony. Let's talk about Sony. There's a lot going on with Sony at E3. Now, I'm a lifelong Spider-Man fan, so I was happy to see the Spider-Man gameplay uh, that they announced, although it's not tied to the new Spider-Man movie, um, but it does have Miles Morales uh, in it, at least as a tease, so I'm excited about that. Every Spider-Man game I've ever seen has been really exciting until I tried to play it, and then it's been super disappointing. So this one looks great. I imagine it'll also be disappointing, but that's my Sony thing. But what is what what does everybody else have as takeaways? Anything from, uh, from Sony's announcements? Uh, uh, Bree, let's start with you. So I gotta say, like you're the first person I thought of when I found out Miles was going to be a yeah. new Spider-Man character because I know you're such a fan. That was such so a great I, reveal. That was it was like it's not just Peter Parker; it's Miles Morales too. That's awesome. I love it. I think he's a more interesting Spider-Man personally. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'd say have faith. I think the signs are there that it'll be a good looks game. looks great. the The idea, the the mechanic of Spider-Man being Spider-Man, and so you can like run along the side of a building and jump, and 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 just that reorientation. I love that. That's really that's very cool I, that was fun to see so it might be good i'm just i'm keeping i'm keeping my hopes down because i've been so disappointed by like shattered dimensions and something like the ios spider-man game it's just anyway oh that was bad yeah. that was garbage uh so for me it's rare that a game comes along that you stop your entire career and completely change directions and for me that's what heavy rain was when that first came out by uh you know quantic dreams uh this is a david cage game it was uh, a sony exclusive game that was really really groundbreaking in that it was all about story you didn't have to be a hardcore gamer to play it it was just going along making decisions and like if your character died, uh, the story just kept on going. It rewrote so that character was dead. The sort of next version of that that came out, Beyond Two Souls, was very, very disappointing, uh, especially from a gameplay perspective, and the plot was terrible. But now, Quantic Dreams is putting out the third, uh, you know, one of their games, I guess fourth, if you count Indigo Prophecy. It's called Detroit Beyond Human. And if you've seen the show Humans, uh, you know, on television, it's very, very similar to that concept. Uh, you know, it opens with somebody black singing a song that's very evocative of like um you know a slavery song and it's it's kind of awkward and uncomfortable and then you <laughs> see a story of um you know basically some androids overthrowing a city square and deciding to um you know how their revolution is going to go is it going to be violent is it going to be non-violent uh so for me i am very excited about that because they are by far my favorite developer uh but i also think it's worth saying like the the downfall of these games has been two things. The first is the game mechanics just completely fall apart when it becomes an action part of the game. And the second part is David Cage, his stories badly need editing. So they have great moments, but they tend to really, it's like a bad Neil Stevenson book. Like it goes all over the map and like no one is powerful enough to tell David Cage no. <laughs> so let's, let's hope that this game um, really comes to together because the premise is much stronger than beyond two souls but we'll have to see when it comes out shahid you worked at sony for a long time i don't know how that makes you feel about these three announcements now that you're not at sony anymore i like to be fairly detached i mean even when i was working at playstation uh i would obviously be careful what i said publicly but privately i would have strong opinions as would other playstation employees you know but um at the time, we were not drones. I suspect they're not drones uh, after my departure. <laughs> you <laughs> corporations never know. <laughs> are made of Corporations are made of ordinary people and they're all trying to do their best and all have kind of interesting, conflicting opinions. So now that I'm out, it has been quite some time. It's not really indifferent, but I guess I can be a bit less filtered about it. I think it was a, it was a solid presentation. I don't think it was an exciting presentation, but that's... I guess, a side effect of it being close to mid-cycle. You know, if you look at a traditional console cycle, this is a time for PlayStation to consolidate and start to expand the base. This is what they would like to do. Uh, I, I think one of the more interesting 
announcements was Playlink, which is a formalization of using a smartphone as a controller for, for your PlayStation. That's an indication that they are trying to broaden the audience. And they showed some kind of not particularly great games using that interface, but I do think it has legs. It was something I was looking into while I was there. Uh, the the other game, Spider-Man. I mean, hey, Insomniac, it's going to be great. You know, I completely yeah. trust them oh, great. with that. Good, you're getting um, my they, hopes up now. No! Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And I am going to get that day one. Um, they You can clearly see that there is some uh, Arkham Asylum DNA in there, right. which is a good thing. It means that it won't just be... Um, completely from scratch interpretation of what spider-man should be because everyone tries that and everyone gets that wrong and let's face it 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 does need some established mechanics while being able to be what spider-man is and that is dynamic and uh extremely fast so i i think insomnia are gonna do a really really great job um i'm looking forward to god of war just because i'm a god of war fan i don't know if it's going to be any good but i i trust them um they haven't done a bad job so far uh Apart from that, uh, I agree with Breed. Uh, Detroit could be really interesting. I've been excited uh, about that for for years now. I think there's real potential. I just hope it doesn't turn into uh, a game that sits somewhere between um, Beyond Two Souls and Heavy Rain. I would like it to to be a bit more Heavy Rain in terms of quality. I don't know. I think it has immense promise, though. I liked days gone from a technical perspective um insofar as it could make a ps4 pro sing you know you've got a lot of stuff going on on screen it's not necessarily just about the number of pixels they're throwing onto the screen but the amount of characters that they're throwing on the screen and that will be experientially different because we're just not used to that we're used to seeing gorgeous graphics what we're not used to seeing is a horde of thousands and thousands of uh undead running towards us so i think viscerally it will it'll make people feel different so i'm looking forward just to that experience not necessarily the game as such i don't know too much about it um the other interesting thing about the playstation presentation was the whole thing was basically uh sean Layden and a long video presentation right i i think it's kind of an acknowledgement um and a wink to the streaming age you know you yes you got the audience but you didn't really have to have an audience. But it is really just, as I say, just a nod to the streaming age. Mm. This is how we do things now. People watch things from all over the world and they feel like it's live. I, I don't know how much value you would have from actually sitting um, sitting in the audience. I don't know. Uh, the other thing that was interesting about the presentation was they went for release windows. They didn't go for release dates. They went for release <laughs> windows. I think that's really smart. And it's about time somebody was was smart enough to do that. Because let's face it, games development is <laughs> not an exact science, you know. And even with the best teams in the world, the best uh, best producers in the world, best planners in the world, it's games dev. You know, it's just dev. Dev takes time. And if it's not right, don't ship it. Um, I, I used to have a, a motto when I was at PlayStation about the the quality of games, which I can't repeat because this is a family show, but developers <laughs> appreciated it. Um, and, and essentially it was something along the lines of, well, it's better late than, you know, um, a qualitative description. <laughs> so I, I would give, <laughs> I would give PlayStation a seven out of 10 um, because it was solid. There was a lot of PSVR content as well. You know, that they're, they're the only, uh, company they're showing two different platforms they didn't hit the peak of microsoft's uh xbox xbox one x oh my god i'm just gonna call it xbox guys um, <laughs> uh, it didn't quite hit the peak of that xbox announcement it's very powerful releasing a, a console that has six teraflops on the box you know that's that's always going to hit hard uh, hardware announcers are always good but in terms of supporting the ecosystem that they're already building there were some solid offerings and some interesting uh indications about um advancing on the broadening the audience angle also uh shadow of the colossus now going to make a three straight playstation iterations because they're remaking it again <laughs> re-remastering oh, boring yeah just if you missed it on playstation 2 and ps3 well <laughs> it'll it'll be i mean that's a cool game but it's i just i'm fascinated by that then again you know 
I, I, I'll take Journey on all PlayStation platforms, so fair enough. There you go. Uh, uh, right. Cicero. Uh, <laughs> Cicero, what do you, what's your take on Sony? So uh, there is the Sony, the Sony platform or the Sony presentation is a tale of two presentations, always for me. Um, there is the um, the experience that you have when you're when you're actually there. Uh, I was there last year in the Shrine Auditorium, and then the experience you have as you're watching the stream. Uh, this year, I was able to benefit from the fact that I wasn't there live and was able to watch the stream. Um, I feel uh, I approach what Shahid said from a very different perspective, and and you know, and it's it's one as just a consumer, not a developer, um, you know, not of someone that, that actually works uh, within within the corporation to understand the trials and tribulations of of game development and and the pressure of marketing, um, which is when I watch a E three presentation, what I'm looking for as a consumer is I'm looking to find out. About, you know, 75% of the games that I, or 75% of the information that I, that I want to receive is information about games and experiences that I can have between today and the next D3. And then maybe another 25% of stuff that's coming in the future. Um, where Sony has a problem, and, and I tweeted this out as I was watching the show, which is, uh, of, you know, all the first party, all the first party software that, that, uh, Sony announced was like me in high school. No dates. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, you know, I felt like, wow, the, you know, all of this stuff is, is, exquisite looking it looks amazing i'm really excited about the prospect of playing that stuff but when when will i play this uh you know so all of the games that we saw first party wise from from sony this year we saw last year um a lot of them had gameplay last year and we saw more gameplay this year all of those games look beautiful. All of those games look amazing. And all of those games are games that I want to play. Um, but again, I don't know. We've got release windows. Will they make those, you know, will they make those dates? That's, you know, uh, who knows? Who knows? That really is up in the ether. And I think Sony does a great job of making sure that most of their games don't release until they're done. Um, and you know, when you're leading from the front, when you're, when you're the, the top dog, uh, in the kennel, you can kind of do that kind of stuff. And, and I appreciate that. Uh, but as a consumer, if you tell me dinner is going to be ready at 630, but then dinner is not till eight o'clock. And then you say, I don't know when dinner is going to be ready. I'm still hungry. You know, um, I'm I, bad. I gotta give you some pushback on this. Sure, stuff. yeah, absolutely, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This, is, this is friendly difference of opinion, right? But no, the show me, show me a game that was better and was a better experience for players because it came out right on the date that it needed to be. Game develop is game development is complicated, and stuff goes wrong. And you've got thick stuff. Games that get enough polish and don't release until they're done are always better. And then you have situations like, you know the games that always get released on time? It's Ubisoft's like annualized franchises where they need that money coming in from, you know, from Watch Dogs 2, so their their investors don't panic that quarter. That is the opposite of what I want, right? Because then it just, like, you see it come through the game development decisions. And, you know, things you can verify will be done on time are graphical upgrades or engine problems or, you know, new DLC content. But really revolutionary stuff, you can't guarantee when that's going to come out. So I, I actually feel the opposite. Like, you take as long as you need and I'll buy it when it's ready. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, and, and I completely understand that, but it is, it is totally a uh, a difference of, of perspective, right? Because if 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 I'm a, a patron at a restaurant and I order my food, and the food is complex, or the the ingredients, the you know the preparation of it is complex, I don't understand that. I'm ignorant to that as the patron, but as a chef who understands what that what that meal entails. Uh, they'll, they'll have a better understanding of just how complex it is and how easy it is for something to go wrong. Um, but as the patron, if I wait an hour for my meal after I ordered it, 
I'm still going to walk out of that place and say, oh, well, the food was good, but it took an hour. You know, it took much longer than I expected it to take for me to actually have that meal. And and that may sour my experience. You know, it's not an apples to apple an analogy. I'm really bad at those. But I mean, the fact is that it's still a matter of perspective when it when it, when it comes. They're going to give your dinner a release window, though. Well, I'll, I'll feed you tonight, but I'm not going to tell you exactly when because I'm not quite sure. You're at a buffet and there's so there's so much food there. You have no idea. Like there's so much food. You can't even eat all the food because that's the right. video game industry these days. Right. Like, how right. am I going right. to play all these games? Yeah. Just so, this year, just yeah, this year. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's yeah. I get yeah. I get what you're saying, Brie. Although I will say that if 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 you do show something at E3 and say here's a really great game, and then a year later you're on stage saying, "Yep, it's gonna be great," and it hasn't <laughs> right. shipped yet, you probably. Sh- <laughs> right. I mean, I guess I I get that maybe you it really intended to ship it in the next year and it just didn't happen. But right. you you could solve some of that with the discipline of saying, this is too far off. We should not, we should not promise anything now because we'll be back up here with the same game in a year. Um, and that's, that's, that's the, but I, I totally get, you shouldn't ship it just because you said you would, if it's not ready. There, right. Yeah. Right. Now, and having said all of that, uh, I feel the same as you do, Bree about Detroit. Um, I, I, man, you know, when I saw that last year, I was there for it. When I saw it again this year, I was there for it. Save, uh, all of the Negro spiritual stuff that happened yeah. at the very that beginning. That, that yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I appreciate all of the game developers, uh, really starting to embrace diversity in a, in a, in a real way. Um, but again, I will, you know, my suggestion as a person of color, um, my suggestion would be to make sure that you have more than just one person of color um, as part of your team when you're tar- trying to make creative decisions. Um, because yeah. I think there, you know, a collective of them may tell you that maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> I do uh, appreciate uh, Jesse Williams being part of being part of the team. Uh, I think that if he if he does survive, um, he does survive his whatever his uh, his little portion of it is. I think that his trophy should say most woke. Um, so <laughs> oh, so uh, oh, yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens with that. So do we have a do we have enough time to like talk about the stuff we're excited about? Like, Absolutely. And in fact, that is a perfect segue because I was going to remind people you can always get the show notes for download at relay.fm slash download. You can recommend stories at hashtag download stories on Twitter or you can tweet directly at us at underscore download FM. And that now being said, my uh, last question is the open ended. What have we not talked about about E3 that you think is is interesting and worth at least getting in the show and mentioning it before we go. Bree. Okay. I suspect everyone here will have a lot to say about this. We have not talked about Anthem at all. (laughs) And okay. So just to give everybody a little bit of background, Mass Effect is the Star Wars of the video game world. It is the greatest story that has ever been told. It is a, a game with a rabidly passionate fan base, and they blew the last game. They blew Mass Effect Andromeda so hard. Like, I suffered through it, but it is, uh, you know, they finished the trilogy and they got to number four and they blew it. Um, so the game, the person that, you know, no game is. Like has one person responsible to it for it, but one of the key writers for Mass Effect was Casey Hudson, and he went off and founded his own new studio to work on a new IP for Bioware, and we got what is really the biggest look at Bioware's new blockbuster IP so far, and it's called Anthem. And guys, y'all, I am horrified and scared because it looks like a bad Destiny ripoff. Like, it looks exactly like Destiny. It's just this big open world. And the, the, the graphical style of the armor looks exactly like Destiny. And this is not the droid I was looking for. Now, I'd love <laughs> to be proven wrong. But, you know, I want to hear from y'all. Like, how do you feel about Anthem? Are you excited? I wasn't. Yeah? Uh, it chugged. I mean, it's supposed yeah. to be 4K, right? And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be quite a challenge. And also Destiny has got uh, three years plus a billion dollars head start, you know? 
Yeah, I um I saw it. I uh understood what it was going to be. I I liked the uh flora that I saw and you know uh <laughs> but uh yeah, I'm 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 very dubious to any game that is trying to to supplant uh Destiny as being the king mini MMO uh shooter on the console uh, you know Ubisoft's tried and and you know they swung and missed and now it looks like EA is coming up to bat and we'll see what that is but again we don't know when that game is coming out so i mean there's there's lots of time for that game to be in the oven but uh, you know they've already put the ingredients in it's got to bake and will it you know when it comes out of the oven will will that will gamers still have the same appetite for what they thought they what what they thought gamers were going to have uh, when they started this development cycle. Yeah, I mean, you know, look at Mass Effect Andromeda. They tried to do the same formula to it: take Mass Effect and make it kind of like a a really large canvas where you're going around the galaxy. It's a disaster. Like the emotional beats of the story are just not there. They didn't polish individual animations. Uh, it's just the the story isn't there, which is why people go to play Bioware games. And I just worry they seem like they're trying to be Bethesda, and that's just not what Bioware is good at. So I am just deeply worried about the way i see them going right on no nobody's good at being another entity right and but you know I, again i i just think that uh what we saw was was five minutes of uh f- flying and shooting in mechs and you know and people speaking unrealistically in a game <laughs> setting uh so you know we don't know what this is and and i you know i'd like to give i'd like to give a company especially one with uh as much goodwill as bioware has had over the last you know decade and a half almost two decades uh to just say i'll you know i'll let you show this to me again the next d3 and see where it is in the development cycle and uh and then and then we'll know what it what it really is um if i may yes i want to talk about something something else that we haven't talked about which is um personally you know i play all consoles even nintendo consoles most of the time when i buy them um but my primary console is is the xbox um you know more uh a, you know I have a better affinity with the with the Microsoft uh, family and that ecosystem. But Crackdown 3 is the game that they're supposed to be using, along with Forza Motorsport 7, as the showcases for the X-Bix um, uh, for <laughs> Shadow. <you go. laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. But, uh, but what was interesting uh, at the Microsoft press conference was how little – of Crackdown 3 we actually got to see. And uh so you know for those of you who who didn't get to see it or who don't quite remember, we had uh Terry Crews, the very enigmatic Terry Crews screaming and yelling at you as he is wont to do to let you uh in a humorous way know that you should be playing <laughs> Crackdown 3. And then we went directly from that into a teaser video trailer where they showed a lot of single player stuff but never at any point did they come onto the stage and actually show the game live in action Uh, and this is a game that will be released on november 7th of this year the same time uh, that this brand new mid-generational console that's the beast of a machine and it truly is that's you know that's not sarcasm um but it really worries me that this game that's been in development for a really long time and, uh, you know, they went media dark after last year's E3, uh, or actually after two E3s ago, cause it wasn't even at, at last year's E3, um, that went media dark. They, in this last real big opportunity to show the world this video game that they um, that they're hoisting as as this great savior, uh, they didn't show any gameplay. That that worries me a lot. I don't know how everyone else thought 
or if they even thought about that. You know, to me, Crackdown 3, it really reminds me of like the, you know, back when Apple had the the data center in North Carolina and none of us knew what it was going to be for. <laughs> it was like this promised vision for the industry and your wildest fantasies would get projected onto Apple's North Carolina <laughs> data center. And that's exactly what Crackdown 3 is. Like the game was never that good. It was all about hunting orbs and getting more power. And, you they keep hyping it up. I'll believe it when I see it, you know, like, but until then, I'm just done talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, just for the record announced in 2014. So three years ago. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love Terry Crews. I'll say that. That's going to be, I'm going to go right. out way out on a limb there and say Terry Crews, funny person. I love him. <laughs> Anything else we should uh, talk about that, that is, Shahid, do you have something? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> My highlight my highlight, my all-time E3 highlight, probably the best press conference, and I say press conference in, in quotation marks, that I've ever seen is Devolver Digital's press conference. That's what I it, keep hearing. It's the most subversive thing you will ever see, and I absolutely loved it. Hats off to them. If you haven't watched it, I'm not going um, to ruin it for you. It's 15 minutes. Check it out. Oh. You will not regret it. It is the weirdest, most subversive thing you will ever see. All right. We'll put that in the show notes. People should check it out. Um, that's great. Well, I think we have reached the end of this Super E3 Games Supercharged version of Download. What to look out for in the week ahead is what I usually tell people about now. And I'm just going to say this. It's the first week in a while without a major technology conference, so far as I can tell. <laughs> Thank goodness. I hope we find three topics to talk about next week. But we, uh, on the other hand, it'll be kind of nice to to have that break. But that brings us to the end of this edition of Download. Um, Shahid Kamal Ahmad, where can people find what you do? Um, good question. I, I guess Twitter, at Shahid Kamal. That's a good one. Just hit me up and I'll talk right back. Yeah, and they can they can also hear you on Remaster. And you just did a, a Remaster episode about E3, too, where you talked to Mike and Federico and... And so That's people right. Should check so I tried to mix it up a bit for your one. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure. My pleasure. Brianna Wu, where can people find the stuff that you do? So if you're passionate about saving net neutrality, if you're passionate about your right to use encryption, if you believe in privacy, you should absolutely support my campaign for Congress. I am running for the U.S. Congress this year. So uh, if you want to find out more about that, you can go to my awesome, exciting blockbuster Twitter account, which is Space Cat Gal, or you can just go to my website, which is supportbrianna.com. Awesome. And of course, you can listen to Brianna on Disruption and Rocket right here at Relay FM. Cicero Holmes, where can people find what you do? Well, I um, am not running for Congress, but I will ask for a fair for equal time. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> while uh, while I don't run for Congress, you can find me on Twitter at Stubby Stan. And uh, I will shamelessly plug uh, my my podcast that I do with Khalif Adams and Sharif Jackson, who are currently at E3. Uh, it is the Spawn on Me podcast. So you can follow us at Spawn on Me and find us uh, wherever your favorite podcatcher is, including iTunes, as uh, as we were talking about, but also NPR One and Google Play Music and, uh, well, you know, basically wherever wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Yeah, wherever you're listening right now, it's it's there. That is correct. You can find it there. And thank you so much for being on. It was so nice to chat with you. We'll have to do this again sometime. I, it was my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks to my producer, Stephen Hackett. Hey, Stephen, you, you still there? Still here. Just okay. listening. Just listening. Notes. Playing in games in the background? No? Maybe? Mm-hmm. Maybe. All right, and I have been your host, Jason Snell. Until next week, we will continue watching the headlines so you don't have to. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.